on this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast brought to you by Mr. Mac. The gang talks about Utah's loss to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Look ahead to the Alamo Bowl. We talk a little hoops. That and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. This is Brad Ruck, former sports columnist of the Deseret News with a tip. Listen to Ute Insiders podcast for all the best coverage on everything Utah Utes. Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. I'm Dirk Facer of the Deseret News, joined by my colleagues Mike Sorensen and Jody Genesee. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, Jode. Great. All right. Clean what? shaven. I feel light. He's, uh, shaving that beard probably took 20 pounds off you. What do you think? That was a good beard, though. It was a good start <laughs> to my diet. <laughs> I'm going to run out of body hair, though, here pretty soon to shave off. So, and, uh, Mike, you grow a beard every November. Yeah, that's about it's it. It's December, yep. though. Yeah, well. Why well, is we'll it still on your face? We'll let it go till after Christmas so I can play Santa Claus. How's that sound? All right. As long as your wife approves. Yep. Uh, let's face it, guys. It's not our decision. Uh, it's the little woman's decision. So. We'll see how long that beard lasts, Mike. I, I yep. think I think Connie's going to win this one. Let's jump right into the Pac-12 title game, guys. Not a very good outing for Utah, Mike. But did it surprise you that Utah was dominated so much on the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I wasn't that surprised by the outcome. I mean, I thought Utah would win the game, but um, yeah, the line, the offensive line was just—they looked like a sieve. You know, they just didn't let—they just let those guys in all night. Tyler Huntley was running for his life, six sacks. I mean, right. he hadn't had that what ever. I don't I mean not, not since last year anyway. Yeah, and it just—and uh, then on defense, they couldn't stop that little guy. You know, the guy gets uh, two hundred yards on him. So yeah, the line of scrimmage. It just didn't look like the same one we've had all that Utah had all year. Jody, what do you think the problem was? Well, I think it all started up at the line, and I was more surprised by the defensive line because the offensive line has probably been one of the weaker links. I think they've progressed over the year, and and they got better giving Huntley time and opening holes for Moss. But the defensive line with three potential NFL players, I just thought they got dominated most of the time, and it. It was disappointing. I, I think uh, after such a, a great season, it was interesting and weird to see them play like that. Just They're usually the ones that punch the other team in the face, and this time they got just manhandled. Well, you know what's interesting is that Utah, you know, the one thing that's been lost in this great season is they had to win eight straight games just to get to the Pac-12 title game, which meant eight weeks were essentially championship games for them where they had to win. I mean, there was a little pressure, and they did well. Uh, Mike, did you, you know, we talked about the, the run. What a fall, though. I mean, that one loss probably knocked them. Well, it was their second loss of the season, obviously. But they fell from the college playoff possibility. I mean, everything else worked out in their favor. If they would have won the game, they probably would have been in the playoff. The Rose Bowl was there, and now they're going to San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. Do you think that's an epic fall, or how do you see that? Well, it's kind of funny. You know, two or three years ago, that would have been a tremendous re- accomplishment to go to the Alamo Bowl. That's the number one bowl, you know, below the for, for the Pac-12, you know, among the main bowls. I think, the you know, one of the biggest things is that there's the schedule skeptics are right, you know. I mean, all these people who said, oh, Utah doesn't deserve to be there, they were kind of proven right by the way Utah played. So they're kind of like, uh, that that was something they didn't want to happen, and so it's going to be, I don't think it's going to hurt the program long, you know, long term, but it's just kind of like people who, who doubted Utah and said they shouldn't be there, they can all laugh and say, yeah, we knew they shouldn't be there, and then they're just kind of like, Utah's just another team. Here's the frustrating thing for me, though, along those, like Mike is right, and, and that's, the, that's the common perception, that Utah was, was shown to be a 
fraud or whatever, however you want to say it. But Georgia got crunched in the SEC team, and, you know, they're still going to the Sugar Bowl. Virginia got annihilated in the ACC championship game, and they get to go to the Orange Bowl. Obviously, the teams that beat them are going into the college football playoff, but everybody's focusing in on Utah and how Utah shouldn't have even been there and how dare they uh, pretend that they're uh, worthy of being amongst the amongst the big boys. Everybody kind of gives those other teams that got clobbered a little bit more grace than they're giving Utah. I, I think it's an unfair standard. And Oregon kind of beat Utah twice by, by losing to Arizona State two weeks before that. Otherwise, Utah would be going to the Rose Bowl and be, everybody would be happy. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because I, I do think Oregon is an elite team. I think Utah's an elite team, but the Pac-12 obviously didn't get any respect as far as the New Year's Six Bowls and that, and Utah technically one step, you know, one spot out of a spot in the New Year's Six. But uh, you know, San Antonio will be good. They're excited to, to be able to go. You know, they recruit heavily in Texas, so the chance to play the Texas Longhorns in San Antonio. You know, we talked about for weeks the Rose Bowl was kind of a consolation prize for the college football playoff. The Alamo Bowl is probably a consolation prize for not getting in the Rose Bowl. I mean, like you said, Mike, it, after the Rose Bowl, it's the first choice of the uh, of you know the selection process in the Pac-12. So I guess they'll make the best of it. Uh, and they're probably well, happier not. I mean, the Cotton Bowl would have been better prestigious wise, being right. in the six. But playing Memphis, you know, in Dallas, I think maybe Utah fans would rather be spending New Year's Eve against Texas, you know, in the Alamo Bowl. You know, even though it might be perceived as slightly more prestigious, I don't know if that would be such a a great thing for them to go to. I think San Antonio is a fun spot. I mean, if you're looking at just as far as getting some bang for your buck dollar wise, San Antonio, the Riverwalk, it's a the Alamo. It's I think it's a, a fun city. Good food. That's usually where I judge a city is the I'm culinary with you, aspect. Brother. I'm with you. <laughs> Give me a little Tex-Mex, you know. But I. I <laughs> It is disappointing because I don't think that's a huge drop off from the Rose Bowl to the Alamo Bowl, honestly. And, you know, the Alamo Bowl handed out the sheet that said they're the number one uh, non NY6 Bowl. And, yeah, whoop de doo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, you know, they, they, they fill the place. You know, they I, I looked up the numbers and they get 60,000 people to the game. Oh, they're going to have they a lot of people there for Texas. Texas. They'll be there. But, you know, the Longhorns are 7 and 5, Mike, and they fired their defensive coordinator, former Utah State coordinator, Todd Orlando at the end of the season, and they reassigned their offensive coordinator. So technically, Utah's going against a young Texas team that has no coordinators right now, and uh, they're 7-5, and five, unranked, but they did give, you know, put a scare into LSU and a scare into Oklahoma, two teams in the playoff. They lost to them uh, by a touchdown each. Is Texas better than their record shows, or is Utah playing uh, maybe like they did West Virginia team a couple years ago in the heart of Dallas Bowl that really doesn't have much to offer? I mean, Utah should be able to Go in there and win, but the Longhorns have proven they can be good. Yeah, you know, the start of the year they were picked to, by a lot of teams to be a top ten or you know fifteen team. Um, I think they and that people look at seven and five and don't look at the at the record of the individual games. Right. You're like they lost to LSU by seven. That's pretty darn good. They're the number one team in the country and they scored was it thirty eight points right. on it's like forty five so, thirty eight or something. And like then that. Uh, that their most of their other games were really close. So they they're a good team. I think where Utah has to has an advantage is their defense is terrible. Um, 
Texas is. Right. Um, they ranked like 108th in the country in total defense out of 130 teams. They gave up 200 yards more than Utah. They had 456 yards. And then in scoring, they were like, uh, they gave up 29 points a game. And so uh, I think Utah's offense has a chance to just, if they get in gear to do well, I think the problem is going to be, you know, they Texas is very good offensively. And so if Utah's defense is like last week, you know, it's, they're going to give up 20 or 30 points. So then they're going right. to just outscore them. So it could be a 35 to 31 type game and Utah just got to outscore them. Jody, um, Texas has got a prolific passing game, and Utah had some injuries you know, in the championship game, losing Julian Blackman and R.J. Hubert to injuries. Is that going to be a big factor in this game? Because Texas has the leading receiver in the country. He caught 103 passes, and their quarterback's really good. Um, is it going to come down to Utah's defensive line's got to wake up from last week's slumber and uh, put some pressure on him so he has to make some quick throws? Or And then the, the secondary is obviously decimated a little bit at safety. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because Kyle did mention that uh, you know these these could be some severe injuries so it's possible we won't see either of those two guys probably probable that we won't see either of those two guys in the the Alamo Bowl so but I mean the, the thing that the, except for the USC game and then Oregon didn't kill them in the pass game as much as they did the run uh, you've seen a, a Utah team that was was able to get their linebackers involved get their they have a deep uh, def- defensive backfield and then if they can get that pressure up front that's going to you know that's going to make the biggest uh, impact. My favorite thing <laughs> this week was to see some BYU fans uh, bring up the Taysom Hill, that infamous photo of Taysom Hill running over the the Texas defender, <laughs> and uh, some Texas fans were like, well, "Wait a sec, aren't aren't you Utah's rival?" I think BYU fans are they they love to to needle Texas for those wins that the the Cougars had over them as well. I thought that was a fun aspect. Well, of this. the Orange Bloods don't take kindly to. Uh comments against their Longhorns, do they? Right. And so I, I think it's a fun matchup. I, I, I would rather see this Texas team than, you know, yeah, Memphis or, or some other uh, team like that. But interestingly enough, it was Utah that kind of paved the way for teams like Memphis to get in, <clears throat> included into the NY6 uh, mix and then Memphis kind of plays a factor in excluding Utah from the NY6 Bulls. So yeah, well, you know, it's the way the system is, and like I said, Utah. All things considered, and with it being in their recruiting footprint, probably a good thing, especially if they can have a good showing in Texas. Don't you think, Mike? Yeah, it's probably good playing Texas. Yeah, they could have played Iowa State or Kansas State or Oklahoma State. Those are the other teams that were kind of on the same level as Texas. Right. So I think having a local team, Texas is a big name. I mean, going back to when we were younger. Texas was a, a, a name program, unlike some of these other ones. So I think that's the best possible matchup probably for the Utah could have hoped for. Mark Harlan uh, pleaded for Utah fans that if you support the senior class and, and get to the game, there's going to be a lot of uh, burnt orange in that crowd, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Austin's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from San Antonio. So there's going to, yeah, and that whole area is Texas anyway. So, Texas, right. you know, that's Longhorn country right there. So, uh, but it, I think it'd be a fun trip for, for Ute fans. And so, you know, I, the Ute fans, I thought, represented themselves well at the Pac 12 championship game. I don't know if they spent all their money <laughs> there and, and are well, going to decide it's not, not to go. It's not a cheap place to get to, you know. It right. Is expensive. Ch- that, that's true. It's a long, I drove there a couple years ago. It's a really long drive oh, wow. Yeah, so... Are you uh, volunteering to drive a bus filled with Ute fans? Ah, uh, sure. All aboard the Jody <laughs> Express. Huh? Suit up in style with Mr. Mack and Alema Harrington. Enter now to win a designer suit and accessories from Mr. Mack. One suit, shirt, 
tie, belt, sock, and shoe. Also, an outfitting shopping experience with Alema during the remote December 11th. Alema will personally pick you out an outfit. Find Mr. Mac on Facebook or Instagram and enter to win. Compliments of Mr. Mac. But said, hey, guys, the all-pack 12. Me and Large Marge. Large Marge. The all-pack 12 teams came out today. Kyle Whittingham was Pack 12 Coach of the Year. Um, Zach Moss, the Offensive Player of the Year. Utah had eight guys make the first team. Was Utah well-represented, Mike, in your opinion? Very well-represented, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, as much as I think you could anybody could expect. Eight guys on first team. And, you know, Utah was, you could say, well, they were obviously one of the two best teams in the league, so they should be well-represented. And I think it shows how much talent they have, and, you know, looking forward to the NFL draft that a lot of those eight guys that are coming that are going to the draft will, will be playing the NFL next year. Right. And 10 of the 11 defensive starters were either first or second team. That, that's phenomenal. That's I think the bigger question is not with Utah, but it's Oregon only had five players on the first yeah, and I second team. Yeah, I was surprised team. That, that, that Oregon got signed. And Herbert really surprised me. He ended up honorable mention. That's a big thing for Tyler Huntley to be first team, don't you think, Mike? Oh, yeah, especially you know going into the year. Nobody would have ever dreamed that. But uh, I think he deserved it. You know, If you don't look at the last game, but over the course of the year, he was uh, probably you know the best quarterback in the league. He was so efficient, you know, and he, he was known for being able to escape with his legs and he ended up using his arms and his, his you know, just his... Got an arm on him, too. Yeah, his and, his football IQ more than his legs this year because because of the injury, and I think Andy Ludwig, Ludwig really worked with him a lot, and he just became... I mean, you saw some of those throws he made. He was just throwing clothesline passes 40 yards downfield. I mean, just a terrific, efficient player, and I thought he uh, really came along with well, I was talking to Kent Condon, our uh, esteemed sports editor, earlier today. The boss. <laughs> the Heisman candidates were announced, and, and Huntley, you know, there was a push for him, the Huntley for Heisman. <laughs> Zach Moss, I, I think the, the Utes might have kind of underplayed Zach Moss a little bit. and they. I agree, because I don't think he was ever Pac-12 Player of the Week. Right. And then he's the Offensive Player of the Year. And, and I think well he deserved it. Yeah. I agree. So I, I, they should have done a Hollandale High for Heisman campaign, maybe. I I thought that it... I don't know. I, I don't say that they they did something wrong by promoting Tyler Huntley to be Heisman, but they probably should have thrown Zach Moss in there as well. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Heisman campaign to me is it's such a long shot. And I, I was able to go a few years ago when Alex Smith was a finalist, and I remember Reggie Bush uh, was ticked that year because Alex Smith came in fourth and he came in fifth. And, you know, they were high school teammates, and he was a little mad that, you know, <laughs> here he is tailback at USC and he's behind the Utah quarterback in the in the voting. But, um, you know, those high school teammates. Rocky Mountain bias. And, you know, Utah had a change in their sports information uh, department uh, leadership, and I think that that maybe uh, slowed the process because they didn't get the campaign started as early, but like you said, I don't think people saw Tyler Huntley doing what he did, and you know Zach Moss obviously is one of the premier backs in the country, and it's good to see him honored. What about uh, Kyle Whittingham, Mike? He's done a heck of a job, and do you think that Coach of the Year honor is well-deserved? Oh, yeah. He's, you know, has he ever got one before? I can't no, remember. I don't think he has so in the Pac-12. He's, for, at least for as, you know, as long as he's been coaching there, he, he should have at least one in his career, obviously. He's National Coach of the Year, obviously, and I think he's Mountain West... Uh, you know, back in 08. 
Yeah, I mean, they were picked to win. Yeah, but a lot of times, that if you're if you're picked, people say, "Oh, well, you, anybody could have done that." But uh, no, he did. A, he had a great year, and I think he's deserving of that. And uh, move on to Morgan Scally. Uh, he was a finalist for the Broyles Award, but uh, went to the LSU passing coordinator. Uh, fancy that because uh, Burroughs and the Tigers are obviously having a phenomenal season. But we all know Morgan pretty well, and Jody and I have known him since he was a kid at Highland High School, and and Mike's a Highland alum, so he's aware of that. But Jody, were you disappointed? Do you think he should have won the Broyles Award? No, I, I mean, I think being the top five is is just perfect for him. Obviously, I mean, LSU is phenomenal this year, and I don't think there's anything like he doesn't have to hang his head at all to not win that award. Uh, that's He's in, he's amongst, you know, he's rubbing shoulders with other great assistant coaches. I think it shows how valuable he is to the University of Utah, uh, coinciding with the, the Utes, uh, extending his contract, or however they... <laughs> Amending. Well, that's good. Mike, obviously, uh, Morgan's had a a great year, and there's probably a lot of interest. That uh, amendment to his contract is interesting because they want to keep him, and I think he wants to stay here. Well, I think so. You know, he's, you know, think about it. He's been at Utah more than half of his life. I mean, from the time he was a player when he was 18 years old, and now he's 40. I mean, and he's been there pretty much every every year since, you know, just as a graduate assistant and assistant coach. He played there for four years. So um, he's a Utah man through and through. And, you know, and Kyle has indicated he's not going to coach for more than four or five more years. Maybe it's going to be two or three years. And, and uh, Morgan's only 40. I mean, he's still a very young man. And, you know, they talk about these coaching waiting, you know, contracts and that whether that's in there that we don't know about or something. But, you know, it might just be one of those things where they just kind of have a wink, wink type thing that, you know, if you stick around, you're going to be the guy. And right. so um, if I think if he does, that that's probably he, it's, he makes more better money than he might at some other uh, school as a head coach. And then if he goes to some poor program and people talk about UNLV you know and then you have a couple of three and nine seasons and all of a sudden you're you're not a good coach anymore so I think he was there you you was smart to lock him up for a few more years and smart for him just to hang in and do what he does does so well yeah, I, it was fun yesterday. Uh, uh, Ryan McDonald, a fellow sports writer here, a great guy, great sports writer, tweeted out a story that I wrote uh, when we selected Morgan Scott. Is Scali that why he's great? Yes. Okay. You tweet out one of my stories, <laughs> I call you great. <laughs> but it was a fun look back at Morgan Scally when he won the uh, the inaugural Mr. Utah Football Award the, back in 1997. And at that time, it was interesting to reread that story. Even the University of Utah wasn't necessarily high on Morgan Scally at the time because of his size 5'11 you know he right. he had a good build but he was he was only 180 pounds and he was a tremendous all-around player like he averaged oh, 11 the yards high per carry players I ever he was saw. so much fun to watch that year they had Reno Mahe over at Brighton should have gone to Kearns <laughs> and Morgan Scally should have gone to East East had a bad recruiting <laughs> year apparently yeah. Those were those were the two runner runner or the finalists for the Mister Football Award. But I loved what Morgan said that uh, he he wanted to follow his hero Bud Scally, his dad, to the University of Utah. So he he has dreamed of being a Ute guy and having this be his path since he was a little boy. And I I love that he ended up at the U, was an All American safety. So he's just a tremendous uh, player, a great guy. Now he's on that coaching path, and I I think the Utes would be smart. I'd be shocked if there wasn't a, as Mike said, a wink, wink, nod, nod, little agreement in in between the lines there. 
Yeah, I agree. And and like I said, and, uh, to be able to follow his father's footsteps at Utah, I mean, it's just a great story. And he's born in Salt Lake City. And as Mike said, he's a Utah man through and through. And and an old Ram. Yeah. An old Ram. <laughs> well, I didn't want to bring that up. Yeah. But yeah, he's uh, the rival to my East High Leopards. But uh, he's a good guy. And uh, it would have been cool if he won that award. But uh, it's I like that he admitted with... that he used to get beat up by his sister. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know if you guys watched the live streaming of the Broyles Award today, but Morgan, uh, they had all the finalists speak and uh, he was he thanked you know Tom Kingsford and Wilson and his guys from Highland and he thanked you know Coach Witt, Urban Meyer, Ron McBride. He was very humble about it and I think one of the last things he said was I'm not going to win this thing. I'm just glad to be here you know. It was kind of funny and uh, he uh, very humble guy and uh, got a free trip to Little Rock out of it so. Wow. Gotta like that. So well I was going to watch it but thanks to you not giving a spoiler alert I guess I don't have to now. There but. we go. Hey guys <laughs> the NFL draft um, a lot of Utes uh, I've heard rumors that maybe ten guys could end up being drafted or in an NFL camps at the press conference or at the press availability the other day. Terrell Burgess and uh, Darren Paulo said that they had no indication from anybody that they were going to sit the Alamo Bowl out to prepare for the NFL. That seems to be a cool thing now with a lot of guys, and and you can't blame them after seeing an injury like Julian Blackman. Do you guys anticipate any of the seniors sitting out the Senior Bowl? I mean, the, the, like I said, the players say that nobody's going to sit out. They all want to play. What do you think, Mike? I think it's possible, but I think it's stupid myself. I mean, I, I just think any game you play, you could get injured, you know, and so right. you, you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to play football. I mean, you get injured in practice, so I, I mean, okay, there's one more game you, you might get injured in and you want to save yourself, but just, you know, you've played your whole career there. Why not play in the, your last bowl game? So, right. you know, whether they do or not, I, I think they, they all should play. Yeah, well, I, th- I don't like that trend either. I, maybe I sort of kind of understand why they don't like it. doesn't mean I have to like that they do that, but I certainly hope that this has been such a special group of seniors. I really hope that they don't sit out, and obviously for injury purposes, if, if that's if they are injured and they don't want to get injured anymore, then I understand that. But yeah, the, the same thing goes with the basketball. I I just can't stand it when when guys say, "Oh, I don't want to play for my Olympic team or my national team because I might get injured." Well, guess what? They're going to be playing at the the rec center or in the church gym or somewhere anyway. So I mean, you're more likely to get injured. I suffered, as athletic as I am, I suffered an injury in my daughter's junior high the other day. It can happen anywhere. I'm not sitting Do out I the ball I dare game. ask what it is? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I rolled my ankle. Okay, I busted it's an my ankle. phone. I, yeah, I have I was a, ready to, a, you're a say a groin injury or something gross, you know, that we don't have, talk about on this podcast. I we? never know if it's groin, growing, growing. Don't, I know how to spell it. Let's right. stop. Let's just stop. You're the one and, that brought this up. I know, but I'm just saying, let's stop and move on. Uh, Mike, last thing on that. Are the guys can be motivated to bounce back and get the bad taste out of their mouth and finish this thing off with the 12 win season. Do you anticipate that? And, and I'm talking specifically about those seniors who had really high hopes that were dashed. I think if it was being played this week, it would be. But the fact they have three more weeks to get to kind of forget about it and move on, practice, have fun at Christmas, whatever they want to do. I think by then they should say, okay, let's go out on a bang here and do well. But if you know, if, if sometimes you have those big losses, it's usually the week after where you really cannot get back up. But it's it's going to be almost four weeks difference, so they should be fine. I think it'd be fun if you saw a mixture of of the seniors getting some good time and get some of the younger guys some playing time as well. That that would be ideal just to kind of bring out the old, bring in the new. It's New First Year's. half, second half, little transition. There so, you go. Hand all it right. over. Hey, speaking of uh, bouncing back, Mike,
like the Utes uh, bounce back from a deficit against BYU. That was a, sounds like an exciting game up at the Huntsman. Center. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I I, I've, I follow the Utes. I've been in most of their games this year, and um, they uh, I, I really thought they had no chance. And especially they're down 16 points with 13 minutes to go. I mean, it was just inevitable they were going to lose. And then they, these guys just kept scrapping away and chipping away. And you know, these guys are all 19 year olds, and I you know I joke about them playing against a bunch of 27 year olds. I mean, but they they, they were they were in there, you know, just playing playing well and going at it. And they, uh, you know, Ryland Jones, who just out of high school, kind of led the comeback. And Timmy Allen's, they're both teenagers. And uh, it was amazing. They tied the game and, and just dominated the overtime. So I was really surprised. I think that's a good win. I know Yoli Childs and, and TJ Haas were both out of the game later on. But that's still a really solid quality win for Utah. BYU won in Houston. BYU is a, a, a nice team. I, I just keep getting more and more impressed by Ryland Jones and this entire Utah team. I think Coach Raskoviak's done a really nice job of teaching them, and and they could be a surprise of the Pac-12. All right, Jody, it's uh, time for uh, Mr. Tom Barberi and Jody. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five. On this week's Insiders newsletter, I'm going to give five random opinions and insights on the Ute football program and so much more. Every week, you can get the Ute Insiders newsletter delivered to your email inbox. Just go to Deseret.com and sign up for the newsletter and you won't be disappointed. All right, Jody, always a good read. Appreciate it. Tis the season for dressing up. Visit Mr. Mac today and get suited up. Mr. Mac has the right suit for any occasion, including their designer collection. Suits by Calvin Klein, Michael Kors, Talia, and more. Styles from traditional, modern, or slim fit. Great looking new suits have just arrived in an assortment of all colors and styles. Buy one designer suit and get an additional suit for just a hundred bucks or a free sport coat. Mr. Mac offers fast free alterations at all nine Mr. Mac stores. Uh, let's close this thing out. Um, I wanted to bring Richie, our, our uh, guru, on for just a second. He made a prediction uh, a last week. I'm a guru, apparently. Well, that, thank you. You were right, man. Well, so uh, the prediction that Dirk is talking about is, as we talked last week after the after the show, I said, you know what? Whoever scores first, that's game over. And the reason being, and, and, and people will hate this, is I don't feel like the Utes really got challenged altogether that much this year. USC, certainly, and they lost. Uh, a couple other teams, you know, Washington we thought would be better than they were. And so the thing that I thought was there was so much hype around the University of Utah that they sort of bought into it. As much as, you know, Whittingham will say, oh, you know, it's just a game and we're just going for it. I feel like they can't help but buy into it a little bit. It's so pivotal that, uh, like, we've already discussed that if, you know, if they would have won, it would have been likely the playoffs. It would have for sure at very least been the Rose Bowl. That It was was, uh, such a, a big game that they got in their heads. They played a really great team, and once they were behind, they just couldn't they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get out of their heads and get back on the field to be able to do it. Even though that third or I think fourth quarter, they started to really make an effort back. It was it was too little, too late. But right. yeah, I pointed to the you don't do outfield for football, but you pointed <laughs> I pointed to the end zone just like a I baby got, himself. I was covering the game at Levi Stadium, and I got a text from you, so yeah. I, I knew so we had to <laughs> yeah, get on the show. I'm going to call Richie out because he did that off air, so. Next time, do, you know, do it on, do it okay, on air. Here, 
here I'll do this for the Richie's uh, predictions. I'll do this coming up for the Alamo Bowl. Okay. I uh, it is my very strong feeling that uh, the Utes will win, but they won't come back until the second half. It will be a slow start Ute game, and because of the home advantage that Texas has, it'll have to be come back from halftime in order for the Utes to win. But they will win the game. It's on the record. All Richie right. does a I great like job. That. He puts our podcast together. We appreciate him, and uh, I told him if he was right, we'd bring him on the podcast this week, and he was right. So, He's uh, the best looking man. In the room too. Yeah. Yes, he oh, is handsome. On. He has is well. He has a full set of uh, hair on his head, so he's <laughs> that gives him a long head that's start. That's an advantage. <laughs> All right, hey, let's close this thing out, Mike. Uh, you've got a uh, got a South Carolina transfer coming. Um, from what I'm hearing, it's Cameron Rising's job, and Jason Shelley's obviously in the mix. Is there room for another quarterback? Yeah, that's one of the problems in college football. Is there's never you can't have five quarterbacks, you know, like any other position. Because if you're if you think you're good and you're can't play, then you're going to transfer. So I think he, this kid, it's good to have him, you know, coming in. But I think the job right now is is, is Rising's or, or Shelley's. Shelley's been around, and so this guy's got to beat those two out. And then if he does, one of those two guys, well, maybe you know, may, may move on. So who knows? Yeah. That, well, Utah volleyball in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I was just up there wow. talking to uh, Beth Lanier about an hour ago, and they uh, they were just excited as heck about that win. You know, they, they went down to Provo. They had to play two Final Four teams from last year. They beat Illinois in five sets, and then they beat BYU, who they've had struggled with over the years. They've lost to them two of the last four years in the same situation. They beat them 25-15 three times in a row. It was really unbelievable. I mean, that's usually what they do in a preseason game. And I, I tried to, I asked her why they, you know, what happened, and she just said, we, uh, everything came together that day. So they had just a great game. Now they have to play Stanford, who they've lost to twice this year already. They pretty much lose to them every year, and they got to play them at Stanford. So it's a big task for the women's volleyball team, but they feel confident. A couple of their players were there, and they think they can go in and, and win, win it and move on. Even just getting to the Sweet 16 for them, uh, having to win at Smith Fieldhouse was, oh, yeah. I think that's huge. And, you know, I, I think that they had several, they had 11 different matches this year that went five sets. So they've really, like, learned how to uh, overcome some difficult circumstances. Yep, they're All good. Right. Well, guys, gymnastics, Red Rocks preview is Friday, so it's getting to be a busy time of the year up on the hill. And uh, the fact that volleyball's still playing just adds to that, doesn't it? Yep, and they're always good in gymnastics. You know, I can't tell you much about who they have right now, but they're uh, they're always one of the top five or six in the country. Guys, any uh, any closing statements? Jody? No, I, I I still think this was a terrific uh, Utah football season. Disappointing Pac-12 showing, but like you mentioned earlier, to win eight in a row to run the table after that USC loss, I think that there's a lot to be proud of. Mike? I'll, I'll uh, put a word in for the basketball team. They have three straight neutral site games coming up. They play Weber State this week, they play Kentucky in Las Vegas next week, and they play San Diego State in Los Angeles. I think that's the first time Utah's ever had a non-tournament three uh, neutral site games like that, and they have six altogether this year, so it's kind of a different thing, but you know, it's kind of a, a new trend in college basketball, and Utah's one of them, and they won't be back home till January. Well, you know, and they can get some wins out of these three, too. That'll obviously help their NCAA resume. But Yeah, because these are, especially the, ne- the next two, uh, they're both ranked, and so it, it would really help them. Well, guys, uh, thank you for uh, joining us this week and talking Ute sports. want to thank our sponsor, Mr. Mac. The good folks over there pick up a suit every once in a while, so you look good. We want our listeners to look good, so Mr. Mac can help with that. Um, just a reminder, we're kind of a Twitter-first operation. You should Try to follow all us on Twitter and for breaking news on the Utes, and then go to Deseret.com for stories. We encourage you to do that. I want to thank uh, Richie and Kent for their uh, leadership with this podcast. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>